Hi, I'm Nina Starner. And I am Abraham Josephine Reisman, but you can call me Josie. And this is One of the Girls, a podcast about girlhood, pop culture, and the way they intersect. And today, we are totally oh but crazy in love with Clueless. <laughs> We're totally bugging. Yes, we yes. are bugging over Boy, Clueless. We are talking about Clueless, <laughs> the legendary 1995 uh, epic by uh, direct, written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Also direct, yes, a true queen, a Jewish yeah. queen. Yeah. Um, and it stars obviously Alicia Silverstone. I don't even know who's listening to this that wouldn't know about Clueless. Like some I of the know, movies we've done, I feel like we have to, in- yeah, yeah. It's an important, I feel like, in to borrow a phrase that you say a lot, this is an important text about it is, being actually. A girl. Like, it literally is. Like, I, this movie is very, I should get this out of the way. This movie is super important to me. I love this movie. I've on. probably seen it a million times. Um, mm-hmm. and it also, and like, this may come up more later, but like, I feel like this movie walked so that a movie that I also really love, Legally Blonde, could run. Sure. And I think that both movies do an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I think that those two in particular, I love so much because at no point do Cher or Elle Woods have to like fundamentally overhaul the person they are. They just have to access a different part of them. And I think that them being still quote unquote allowed to be really girly and feminine and fully themselves while accessing their, um, their like kindness or their intelligence Mm-hmm. Is just so important to me. So I love it's Lewis. Re- it's a great movie. We're going to get into it. And it it's it's kind of utopian in a way. Like it's a yeah. re- like like mm-hmm. the best experiences you can have reading an Austen novel because it's yes. based as everyone probably knows. It's yes. based on the novel Emma by Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. Um there's a degree to which you love the characters but you also really want to get lost in this, and I don't mean this as an insult, relatively low stakes environment. Like, oh, it's it totally is not, low stakes. Even when she like gets very high at gunpoint, Im- there's no danger. Like, <laughs> no, like the, I loved watching this this time around because I was reminded of like the couple times when it sort of emulates danger things that pop up in Jane Austen, and it's like you know Ty, the Brittany Murphy character, getting like almost leaned over a balcony in the mall or whatever <laughs> and it's so tame exactly. like that's and like the big action sequence is like you know stacy dash's character accidentally uh pulls into the getting on the freeway, freeway. yeah and it's like it turns into like a steve mcqueen movie for like 10 seconds and then exactly it's exactly but like mostly but it's a very powerfully low stakes story it is not the fate of the world that's in balance it's something much more relatable yeah and it's nice to have, I think stories like that work so well because A, it's comforting to sort of be in a, a time and place that seems a little more comfortable than yours. But it's a it's an important tool because it allows you to then have these very nuanced studies of human nature um, that yes. are isolated from danger or the usual things that we think of as driving exciting plots. Once well, this is a character got, study, right? Like, it's a character, this is a character, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. once you remove the plotty elements that often are the cheat to get somebody involved in a story, which is like, oh no, will this person die or right, will the world right. end? There's no cheat right. like that. It just forces you to go, you have to be invested in these characters and their lives. And the movie succeeds brilliantly at that. Yes. And you, to spin off of your word utopia, like, this is a fantasy also. Like, Totally I, fantasy. Every young girl 
or frankly, adult girl who has watched yeah. this movie, looked at that electronic closet and went, oh, I want that. I want I that to dress me in the morning. I they want that to pick out the perfect outfit. Yeah. I remember that being in the trailer and they were wise to put it there because it's such yes. a, it's such a convincingly, um, exciting moment yeah. for her or like for, for the audience. Like you're watching it and you're like, I can't, I mean, it's, it's 1995. No one knows how right. computers really work yet. Right. Like I'm watching it now and I'm like, you could still fantasize about this because this technology doesn't really exist, does right, it? Like we don't really. I don't think so. I mean, I don't if think, someone like this, knows it, that it does and is listening. Please tell it's us almost so like, I can get right, it. Right? It's almost like it's almost like AI in that, like right. we, we we still look at these computer technologies and go, "What if the computer could tell me aesthetically pleasing things?" Or like, "What right. if the computer could be an artist or a fashion designer?" Which it can't, but it's such a fun fantasy. And like it, the outfit that comes from that scene is arguably the most iconic outfit of the yeah. movie, which is her yellow plaid. Like I bought a dress once because it has a yellow plaid little skirt and collar. And I literally call it my Cher Horowitz dress. Bless like, you. That the, the influence of this movie is so strong. So in case you haven't seen the movie in a while or in case you haven't seen it at all or you live under a rock or in Siberia, mm. um, Alicia Silverstone plays Cher Horowitz. She's an extraordinarily privileged girl in Beverly Hills living in a Jewish girl, world. Jewish girl. I have to, I have to emphasize this. You do. Yes. A Jewish girl living a Jewish in Beverly American Hills. Princess. Yes. Um, impeccably dressed by her computer every morning. Um, her daddy oh. bought her a Jeep to practice on. She does not have her license yet. We will come back to that because I think that's one of the funniest sequences ever put on film. Um, Agreed. and she, there's the portrait of her mother who she describes as such a Betty, uh, who died during a routine liposuction like a freak accident, accident during right. a, a routine, routine life. That's right. I, I mixed up routine and, and freak accident, which is a weird thing to mix up. Um, no, and her no, dad is fine. a really high powered lawyer and she, but she's like the only person who can get through to him. Her, her dad is also like the funniest part of the movie. He has some oh, of the best Dan lines. Yes. He's so, so good as I, Mel, I believe is. Yeah. And I, he's believe, just, I like, can't incredible. remember the name, but just father Horowitz. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the thing I took away from that family dynamic, and we can get back to sort of describing yeah, yeah, the yeah. overall outline. Of course. Is I, let me put it this way. While I was watching it, I posted on Blue Sky that Dan Hedaya was giving one of the all-time great Jewish performances despite not being Jewish. And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't know Dan is not Jewish. He, <laughs> he's played a lot of Italians, so I sort of assumed yeah. he was Italian. Dude is Jewish, Sephardic Jewish from Syria. His parents nice. were born in Aleppo, and he grew up in Bensonhurst. And nice. that's why he's able to play Italians because he grew up in Bensonhurst. Right. But right, dude right. is Jewish as heck. <laughs> and I love, I was I was saying like this guy, I had to delete the skeet, the post, and then re, yeah, repost yeah, yeah. it with the updated information because I didn't want to slander Dan Hedaya like that. Like, right, you don't want to do him Alicia dirty. Silverstone yeah. too, I should say. Alicia Silverstone, you, you'll be shocked with a name like Silverstone, is Jewish. And ah, Alicia had, didn't know that. Uh, I know you yeah. don't think about it, but because mm -mm. it's it, you just don't. But right. um, she had her bat mitzvah five years before they filmed this. Like oh she was freshly a Jewish teenager who had been ushered wow. into womanhood through the covenant. And I love that. It's got like Wallace Shawn, who's Jewish and oh. like all, all of and Amy Heckerling, Bless. who wrote directed it. Amy yeah. Heckerling, who wrote and directed it, was raised by Holocaust survivors. And she... Like, I really could not 
have noticed, even though I am Jewish, I was not Jewishly educated enough, or at least educated in the nuances of Jewish mm-hmm. culture other than my local towns, until recently, and then, which is well after I'd last watched Clueless. So watching it this time through, I was like, this is practically an ethnography of a certain kind of rich Los Angeles Jew, much in the way that your favorite and mine, you are so not invited to my bat mitzvah is. Exactly. Like it's yeah. almost a precursor, although a lot less harrowing one. Um, sure. Than than that movie. Well, because Cher anyway, is is a much less abrasive main character. Cher, like Cher well, that was the thing. Yeah. I was reading about Amy Heckerling's development of this movie, which, by the way, mm-hmm. do you know what the original title of the script was? I am sh- certain that I do, but remind me. No worries. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that great? Going back I to the utopia. Called, yeah. <laughs> I almost wish it had been called no. Like Clueless almost is kind of more insulting than it needs to be as a right. title. No but worries. Is, is a little endearing to me. And I think about oh, totally. the, the very, the very famous story that Alicia Silverstone did not know how to pronounce Haitians and kept saying Hadians. I didn't know that that was actually, wow. And Amy Heckerling was like, don't shut the camera off. Like we got to let this roll out as it's going to. And that's so, so that's good. why she says Hadians is because she had only read that word. Um, right. See, the cops are on their way because now I'm, I've told that story and I'm going to be arrested. Yeah, I know. For it. You've, you've um, blown Alicia's I've cover. Revealed the she secret. owns this city. But no, <laughs> but no, like I, I love that she was just like, she'd only read the word. How many times? I mean, that's happened to me a bunch of times. Like I've only read a word. Sure. I say it out it's loud and I, and I botch it. And totally. Yeah, Perfect. and it's yeah. and there's, but it's this such such an endearing moment, and I love No Worries as an alt title, but Clueless speaks no, Clueless to her is, character. It's pretty iconic. Yeah, and it also like she is well intentioned, but just overlooks the obvious truth in front of her throughout yes. so much of the movie, and I think that it's imperative for that to be the title for that reason. Like she, you know, fair point. She doesn't recognize that Elton is a big creep. She doesn't understand that Christian is queer. She doesn't fully understand the relationship between Dion and Murray. Like she she doesn't see Ty in full. Like she sees things in a kind way, in a generous way, but not always in a complete way. Um and she has no idea that she's ar- the world's worst driver. Like <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, that's the thing. Amy Heckerling, when she was developing this, her intention was she she had been told to do a movie about high schoolers and mm-hmm. cool kids specifically. Like they didn't want the, the the people who were I can't remember if it was the production or the studio, but they didn't want something that was about like outcasts. So right. she turned to Emma for inspiration, and her her feeling was the only way you can make this story work is if you kind of buck the trend of how people make movies and have this person be very positive. Like this yeah. is we're we're in a period where like we have more anti-heroes than heroes. Right. And or people who at least go through trauma for no particular reason other than it makes for better movie making theoretically. You have this character who is very positive. She just looks well, through everything, looks at everything through right. rose-colored glasses. And you brought up low stakes earlier. And I don't always need everything I watch to be no. high stakes. We've talked Lord, about no. uncut gems on this podcast. Um, I'm not going to curl yeah. up on the couch with a blanket and a glass of wine and 
put on no. uncut gems. I'm not insane. I mean, I'm insane for other reasons, but not that Other way. reasons. But like, they don't manifest that way, yes. Right, I'm not that way. But like, I have put on Clueless as a comfort watch more times than I can possibly count because it is right. a soothing, it's a, a beautifully told story. But yeah, it doesn't have any crazy stakes. The main character is a happy, nice, positive person. Even when yeah. she's being wifty or clueless she comes at everything with the with the best of intentions and it's you know like that's why people fell in love with stuff like ted lasso at least in the early seasons i won't even early going yeah right like that's why they wanted a character like that because ted positivity made them feel better and happier and And i think that like like, el woods and and share and i'm gonna bring up el woods a couple of times because they are such they're, the character type is there's so much overlap, but they do mm. everything that they do because they're like genuinely interested in the welfare of other people and the happiness yes. of other people. And it's really refreshing to see characters like that. I'm well, glad that's the thing. It's that she took this approach. It's it's not. I mean, what what strikes me is I am often turned off by nice core stuff. Yeah, but this movie is so careful. This screenplay. Mm-hmm. And it's direction, so you know, from Amy Heckerling, this was not toxic positivity. No, it's not. It's, you know, the positivity that Cher Horowitz brings to this story. And that by that, I basically mean Amy Heckerling writing and directing it mm. is not the kind of nice core stuff that really turns me off in a lot of media where it's just like show a veneer of niceness while also protecting your heart and getting, you know, kind of, there's a lot of like nice core that has this flip side, this undertone of like, if you're not nice in this one particular way that we find acceptable, you're a non-person. And this movie is so nothing like that. There's, there's no like enforced niceness. It's just, she is somebody and it's not just aesthetic niceness. She Mm -mm. genuinely has this deep empathy for everyone right. around her and people even beyond that. I mean, that's the funny thing about the Hadians date debate sequence. Yeah. Is even though she hasn't done the reading, her her fundamental understanding of like post-scarcity politics <laughs> is completely is, right. Like is we can add more chairs to the table and party with the Hadians. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's actually like exactly right. It's yeah. and, and the reason it's exactly right is because she I mean, I think the big undertone here is she has a great dad. Like Dan Hedaya has iconic movie dad, iconic father who is, even though he's like a litigator, which is not necessarily the most ethical job. He in his home has done a really good job of being loving and supportive of her while also being a model of like hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And And he's raising her on his own. He's a single dad, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. the only person there for her. I mean, I love the scene where he gets her report card back and her grades have oh. mysteriously gone up. The gun- and- I cracked the <laughs> hell up at that scene. I remember Honey, laughing I at it initially. I couldn't be prouder than if these were based on actual grades. Like just- It's so good. good. And, ve- and I, you know, you can't say this. I can say this. Very Jewish. The idea of- <laughs> Bar- haggling down or haggling up is is really very profound in I our can't culture. say that, but I can say lawyer mom. So Cher is an extremely positive person, right? And in, in yes. that generosity, in that kindness, she takes in Ty, played by the late great Brittany Murphy, in oh. one of her earliest roles. I, so I love, good. I love Brittany Murphy. She's perfect in this part as, yes. as Ty. Um, and you get the like 
the makeover montage. But it's also notable, like Cher is the one to bring her into the fold. Dion's like, I don't know about this. She's like, she's a yes. project. There's going to be a lot of work. And that's where that's where the Leo with the can pointing at the screen once again comes yes. into play because Cher says, look clueless. at her. She's totally clueless. She's totally clueless, yes. Again, unable to see herself in this, right? Um, mm. And I, I... Love the idea. You know, you brought up that Heckerling made this movie about popular kids. And we've talked about mm. how scary popular kids can be. Oh, terrifying. Yes. Again, the girls on the White Lotus would eat me alive. Like there there was a girl who I saw this on Twitter, but it was like a it's like a 12-year-old girl on TikTok who's like things that annoy me while she like does her skincare. She's the scariest person I've ever seen. If I oh came across God. her in the wild, I would run because she would yeah. destroy me psychologically. Right. So like you're used to the popular girls in fiction being the scariest thing in the world. And Cher is Correct. like, no, I'm going to make, I'm going to bring out this girl's like inner and outer beauty. You know, she has her doing a book club. Yeah. She has her doing aerobics. She helps her find cute outfits. And it's not, it can be seen as shallow, but I'm going to bring I something think, totally foreign yeah. into this. I used to really like a show called What Not to Wear. And on the surface, oh, it could be God, interpreted. I forgot about that. Yeah. On the surface, that show could have been interpreted as like really mean-spirited. But something that I actually liked about it is if you sat down and you watched it, a lot of the people who were on it were people who like never did anything for themselves. Like they would, you know, right. they were always doing stuff for family members or loved ones, but they never took a second for themselves. Or sometimes sure. it was people who had had, who had like had an incredible like weight loss journey, but like didn't, didn't uh, treat themselves to new clothes or something right, like that. Right, it was usually right. someone who just like, wasn't like prioritizing themselves in so many levels. Yes. And what that show did is it would be like, remember that you're important too. And you get to wear a pretty dress and you get to do your hair and wear some makeup. And like, it's not just about the outer beauty. And I think that that is like Cher's mission with Ty. I don't think she's just like, your hair is bad and I want you to wear dresses that are nicer than no, your, no. Like, jeans and your flannel. It's literally like, you know, she wants to get her a cute boyfriend. She wants her to set her up with Elton, which is a disaster because Elton, as we noted, is a huge creep and he yeah. is totally into Cher. Although I, I love right. how like right from the beginning of the movie, there's all these like cuts where Elton is like draping himself over Cher and she can't figure out that he has a, a thing for her. Like what is what is her deal? Um, so I always wonder if Cher's going to grow up to realize she's a lesbian. She gets along much better. <laughs> right, I'm serious. She gets yeah. along much better with girls. She's very good at helping and supporting fellow girls. And when and it comes she to dates boys, her stepbrother. She's, yeah. Right. And I mean, and we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. That's, that's the big, that's the sticky wicket, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, discuss, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But, anyway, go but, on. No. And, and like, I actually say a lot of the lines from this movie, we've talked about the script a little bit. A lot of the lines from this movie are so part of my lexicon. Like I have- Not just yours. Right. But I've said, I'm going to, I guess we have to make a cameo at the Val party. I've never been to the Valley. I've never been to Los Angeles. Yeah. But that's just a really good way to put, yeah. like we have to stop in at this dumb thing we don't want to go to. Um, I know. And that party scene's incredible. Like- um, where, where she's like, it's going to be a little while again, Dan Hedaya. Like, where are you, Kuwait? Like, everywhere yeah. in Los Angeles <laughs> takes 30 minutes. Like, I want you home in 20, 20 minutes. minutes. He says 20 or minutes. 20 minutes. Which that's is, right, that's right. If you haven't been to Los Angeles, that's an insane yeah. thing to say. That is not <laughs> true. Los right, Angeles right. is a very large place, and right. it does not take 20 minutes to get across it. 
Right. And then you've got the, uh, every scene in this movie is perfect. Let's just get that out of the way. But yes, the it's robbery, a, it's an immaculate the, lowest, script. the lowest stakes robbery of all time, truly. This guy uh. just kind of yanks out a gun and she won't get down on the ground because she's wearing an Aliyah. Um, which is the designer Azadine Alaya, very expensive, like uh, you got th- that idea. thousands of dollars. And, got it. and this is a totally important designer. She says, he says, and I will totally shoot you in the head. You know, like just, <laughs> <laughs> I would sell my soul to the devil to write a script a quarter as good of a good as this, as this one. <laughs> like, I know. Just, yeah. And then we've got, let's fold in Paul Rudd. Oh, Pablo Rudd. Yes. Another yeah. Jewish legend in this movie. Um, Former and he played, bat mitzvah DJ. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And not yeah. that long after. I mean, it was probably not that long after he was one. I mean, it's 95. Yeah. He's not a major star yet by any means. And right, but you have no idea what age he is in this movie because he looks exactly the same now as he did. He's Paul Rudd. You could never <laughs> yeah. tell. I know. But he, um, he plays a stepbrother who the movie mm-hmm. goes out of its way to sort of distance how related they are in so far as going like, I I believe the way it's framed confusingly is, you know, the, the stepbrother is the child, not of Dan Hedaya, but of Dan Hedaya, one of his ex-wives, briefly married ex-wife, um, and her previous husband. So he shares no genes with Cher but and, and we a, never yeah. saw them being in the same family, so we don't really know like if they were yeah. ever, you know, like I. It's left I'm ambiguous. Not furious yeah. about this, to be honest. Like, I'm not I furious mean, about it at all. You can't have Paul Rudd on screen looking the way he does and not be like, "Well, of course she should end up with him." Look at those cheekbones. Look at those eyes. Real like, talk. Stunning. Yeah. Real talk. <laughs> like, and yeah, let me tell sorry. you, if that were what? my stepbrother, I'd go for it too. Soon. Sure. I said when it. I was. Who who wouldn't? And um, what's funny is I, since I hadn't seen the ending in a while, I will fully confess, I, I pulled a, a version of that Chasing Amy problem that a friend of mine had of misremembering how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had misremembered her as not being with Paul Rudd at the end. I didn't have a clear memory of it, but I could not reconstruct the ending in my head. And while I was watching it, I was like, oh, she's going to end up with the stoner. <laughs> really? I you thought she was going to end up with Brecken Meyer. Wow. I thought that there was going to be like an anticlimax where she just goes, oh, I'll be with a nice person who doesn't make wow. me feel uncomfortable and doesn't have, you know, the encumbrances of being my... I, for some reason, had misremembered that there's a moment of like, oh, Paul Rudd's character is kind of creepy. Though. What? what an alternate ending. It would that. be a wild alternate ending. Wow. It's a very different message. But it's funny. You watch it and... What I love is Cher makes really good decisions throughout the movie, except arguably the very final decision, which is getting together with her stepbrother, which I was going to say she makes good choices for other people, but not herself necessarily. That's true. She doesn't make good choices for herself. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, Because like she gets those teachers together and they get married and they're happily in love. Um, And I mean, Wallace Shawn, great in everything. Uh, Great in this movie. He's so good. Absolutely. As Mr. Hall, um, I love when she's tempting him with her dad's sucky Italian roast. <laughs> when yes! she gives him the thermos of coffee, yes! everything, everything, every word out of her mouth. Oh, um, man. But and she's, you know, she does nice things for her friends, but like right. she doesn't, she doesn't do a lot of things. Period, smart or otherwise, for herself. And like no. Josh is the one thing that she does like for her, arguably. Right. And whether or not that's questionable, because at one, <laughs> I, you know. 
I have, I can't figure out how you would work Josh into the story otherwise, though. I've actually thought about this over the years. And it's like, oh, how do you well, organically yeah, get the have, character? Yeah. Like, he's in college. He has nothing to do with them. Like, mm. how else would he even Why show Why would he be up? staying at the house? You know, right. like, he, he needs to be there for personal... He needs to yeah. be there for personal, private moments, semi-private moments with Cher. And you can't do that if he's just another boy at school or somebody who's right. visiting. And he needs to, importantly, see her at her, like, worst, even though I, her yeah. worst is pretty benign. Like, when she she isn't sure where, the, where their maid is from and he has to correct right. her. Like, he has to see, so like, her, like arguably dumbest moments and right. still love yes. her for who she is because right, at school right. she's at school she's like a she's on a pedestal right she's just like this this revered figure she's shared right and at home like she has that scene where she's like sometimes i just like to veg out they're like watching ren and stimpy like he sees her yeah. essence so i it's don't very know how else you get yeah, it's way existential. Um, and or, I thought they declared peace in the Middle East. Now all of these oh, quotes are God. just popping into another my mind. Great Jewish, yeah. <laughs> another great Jewish joke. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But I mean, so yeah, so she gets Ty, her little makeover. She meets Christian, the handsome, James Dean, styling, you know, part-time student. He's very smooth. Mm. He's very, very, very gay. He's just very gay. so obviously gay to everybody but Cher. And that's when you get that great tongue twister that I can't even begin to say from Donald Faison about the Streisand ticket holding in front of Dorothy. Um, yes. I also have to shout out, we talked about Breckenmeyer for one second. I want to, Donald Faison, who went on to be on Scrubs, yes. which is one of my favorite shows, and Breckenmeyer, the two of them also later showed up in Josie and the Pussycats, a movie that I yes. hold near and dear to my heart. Ooh, we should do um, that one for a future episode. Oh, we good. definitely should. I love that movie so much. But like th those two supporting players in this movie are just like comedy powerhouses. Like you could put mm -hmm. Donald Faison and Breckenmeyer in almost any movie and it would make it funnier oh, and better. And like yeah. Travis's speech about all the people he has to thank for his record setting number of tardies. Just everything or like Marvin, the whole Marvin the Martian thing. And, and he's also so sweet. You know, when he sees the tie hitter yeah. head at the party, he's the first person to rush over and try to help. You know, he's he's a good person. And then he, he tries really to kick weed at... And then he tries to kick yeah. weed at the end. Yeah, he's because he has twelve steps. <laughs> My I know he's in a club it. that has yeah. a lot of steps. Twelve? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's the other thing about Cher that's so interesting to me is she really is smart. For yeah, all she's of pretty worldly. She pays it. Yeah, yeah. She pays attention. She she for all of her thinking that peace was declared in the Middle East and mispronouncing Haitians, she's quite intelligent. She's very intuitive. She's she's intelligent in a way that she can relate to people easily, yes. and and she can intuit what they're thinking and what they need and what they're doing. And it's right. just like, yeah. We, you, I mean, we're circling back to the to the positivity of it all. You made such a good point in saying that it never feels. Toxic. I never feel like she would tell anyone to plaster on a smile and get on with their day. Right. It's more that she would be like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I, I also think that one of the most touching scenes in the movie, to bring it back to another thing that you said about um, Mel being a good dad, when he sits down with her at the end of the movie and he's like, any boy that wouldn't like you is an idiot or whatever he says. That's the most, like, that's the softest moment that you get from him in, by far in yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. Although I guess... I've got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss yeah. you. One of the best lines in cinema is Fantastic. his own expression of tenderness. But the way that he sits there with Cher and he's so loving and so gentle, you see in this brief movie, you see why she is so caring. And exactly. you see 
why she was molded in the way that she is. And it's it's so interesting because I feel like every time that we talk about a movie, especially especially one that I've seen a lot, you know, Chasing Amy, I was just coming into it. But with Clueless, sure. I've seen this movie so many times. And mm-hmm. investigating it now from like a father-daughter story perspective has never even really occurred to me. But this is a really That's lovely portrait of a father and a daughter making their way in, you know, making their way in the world with a ton of money and privilege, obviously. Sure. But making their way in the world and just getting by as best they can with each other to lean on. And she's but, looking but, out for his health problems and he's yeah. looking out for her emotional well-being. And and they form this really lovely family unit where you know that every they're, that they're gonna be okay. She's gonna be fine. Even if she hadn't ended up with Josh, everything's right. gonna be okay for Cher because she's a good person and she is raised by a good person. And I think that's just a nice thing to see. Well, that's the thing. It's like you expect a movie like this and it sort of fakes you out a little bit at the beginning to have a hard-ass dad who's really conservative and a jerk because that's usually the stereotype for a dad in a teen movie, especially a rich dad, the sort of Hiram Lodge, you know, model from from Archie Comics. But it, it has this twist that is really beautiful, which is it ends up saying... The way you, it almost is more of a commentary, a pointed commentary on masculinity than femininity in that it's pointing out the ways in which these various men are either (laughs) acting well or acting badly. Like Cher is kind of, Cher has an arc, but her quality of personhood is pretty consistent. And the movie's pretty forgiving of most of its female characters, even when they screw up. But the men are really on trial, and Hidea is the one who comes across the best. You know, he's sort of the winner of the pageant. He's the one you watch and go, there's a good man. Like, that man knows how to do masculinity in a way that is actually supportive of women and of the family. Like, there's that great line where Mel says, you know, you divorce, uh, you do, what is it, divorce parents, not children. Or yes. you divorce whatever you don't you know divorce wives not children I can't remember exactly but you don't yeah, yeah, get divorced that sentiment yeah. right that child a child that you took responsibility for in any circumstance once you've done that that means something and you don't get to abandon that and that's such a rare sentiment to see expressed usually it's just sort of you know either not present or there's something gross about. Right. There's something implied to be gross about having a blended family or whatever, or it's like complicated and problematic. But right. Hidea is like, no, it, it, this is just what you do. When someone enters your family, you don't kick them out. He's also the most intuitive person in any given room. He's the one who immediately notices that Josh and Cher are starting to have some sort of right. flirtation, and he's remarkably cool about it. But you Very know, he's the one who encourages. Unusually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who he encourages Josh to go to that party where Paul Rudd shows off right. his worst dance moves. Um, you know, which we know Beautiful. he can do better than that. But I think he's just such a good actor that I believed that he was a bad dancer. But to go back to the girlhood of it all, too, because I think we're talking yes, we, so much we, about her dad. <laughs> Although the dad well, is so important. It's important like, because she's. But, but yes, go on. Yeah. No, I just think like it. it is also so interesting to see the perspective of girlhood, to tie it into the Mel of it all. That we don't meet, she doesn't have a mom in like the grand tradition of no. like a Disney movie or whatever. Her mom is, is has passed away. And so we yeah. see girlhood represented through a girl being raised by a single father. That's and, very and interesting. You're right. The, the like everything that comes with that and like the beauty of that relationship. And again, that he has taught her to bring people in the way that he brings Josh into his home. Right. She brings Ty. And she and Dion adopt Ty. And and 
you know, and she's very self-aware of how fantastical her life is. What does she say in the very opening moments? I'm sure you're wondering, like, is this a Noxzema commercial or what? Like, she's extremely yeah. aware of, of her privilege and her status and her place in the world and the fact that her dad gets paid a lot of money to yell at people. And that's yeah. why she gets this really, really cool life. But she gets that awareness from him without a mom in the picture. So we're seeing this picture of girlhood with no female role model with which to guide her. And she still Mm -hmm. is coming out as like this really like virtuous person that like, I think it's hard to watch this movie and go, I wouldn't want to be friends with her. I would of course want a friend like Cher. She's a great person to have in your corner. Um, yeah, we don't. I don't think we need to delve too much into the Stacy Dash of it all because she's yeah. Gross that's now. sort of the other awkward part. Yeah, Stacy Dash. Like, uh, for those Dion's of you don't a great know, who, sidekick. Yeah, yes. Dion is a great sidekick. Stacy Dash yes. ended up because we're, we're not avoiding her for racist reasons. It's because she is. Uh, she became kind of a fascist. She went pretty yeah. far right. Yes, and it's a she's, little unfortunate. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. It's one of the things about this movie that has not aged very well is just yeah. the presence of Stacy Dash. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. But oh, she's well. a very she's good in the movie. She's a great sidekick. I love I love the note that um <laughs> that they're only friends because they're named after famous singers who now do infomercials, which also Such maybe hasn't even one. aged that well because like they're doing sketches about Dionne Warwick on SNL these days and like Cher is like more powerful. Very funny in retrospect. You're right. <laughs> right. That's very like, funny. It was this lull in both their careers, yeah. but it was not the end of it. Yes. Well, I mean, the celebrity references in this movie also, we have to, like, we couldn't get Marky Mark to plant a celebrity oh. tree. Like, the way, the, the datedness of, like, how specific, like, calling him Marky Mark is. And now he's, what, like, an Oscar-nominated, like, blockbuster actor. Like, it's, it's whatever so, reason. yeah. Well, the other thing reason. that, and 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 again, we'll get back to the girlhood. But part yeah. of the girlhood is defined. This was this was sort of why I never totally lost myself in Cher or looked at her as a mm-hmm. role model. I'll tell you, it's for one reason. Early yeah. in the movie, they cue very clearly that she hates Radiohead, and I was a huge Radiohead fan. She keeps yeah. there are no fewer than three Radiohead songs that play in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like early on, fake plastic trees is playing in the first Paul Rudd appearance. And she goes, there. wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and then she later, when she's dissing him, she says, you like complaint rock. And I, <laughs> it's such a good diss. Well, but I, I was like, I've been, oh, I like Radiohead. I can't feel that way. But it was no, very I, funny. I actually that I I've been rewatching the OC because it recently yeah. had its like anniversary it's 20th anniversary Christ, uh, and then, you're right ah! i don't i can't but also last week i went to the death cab postal service also 20th anniversary i'm elderly wow. uh that was yeah, the elderly me millennial too. meetup we all had to sit down for the whole show it was great mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but there's a line very early on in the oc similar to this where um they're playing uh, seth cohen adam brody's character is playing death sure. cab in the car while they drive to tijuana and summer goes what does she say? It's like one guitar and a whole lot of complaining. And yeah. I love Death yeah. Cab. So I remember being like, excuse me, what music did yeah, you exactly. like summer? So I totally get that like in a in a like pre like especially you is this the first time you watched Clueless since you transitioned? Is it an important question? Oh, absolutely. I yeah. I last right. watched so, like, any part of it ten years ago. Yeah. Right. So you're you're watching it with like a deeper understanding of girlhood now, but I also totally, totally get how that would turn you off. You'd be like, but Radiohead's awesome. Like, yeah. how I dare was more she not like, like Radiohead? <laughs> whatever, whatever girly traits I had, 
they did not exactly resemble Cher's at least outward presentation. And the right. outward presentation was a huge part of how this movie was marketed. Like yeah. I mentioned how they have the, the outfit match thing in the trailer and in the commercial, but that was a big selling point for this movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a really brilliant and tenderly observed movie, it was sort of marketed to the public as look at this sort of flashy aesthetic Let's look sure. at this Barbie doll type thing. And I didn't even see it when I, I mean, I was, let's see, 95, I was a little too young anyway. I was like 10. Right. But even later, it took me until, I don't think I watched it for the first time until like 2002. I watched it with a high school girlfriend who was a big fan mm-hmm. of it and was yeah. a big fan of Jane Austen and was like, we did a double feature of Clueless and then the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, which is vastly inferior to Clueless. Agreed. Um, the only yes. other good Emma, I think, is the relatively recent one with Anya Taylor-Joy, which I actually quite like. I heard it was good. It's I didn't see good. that one. But this is, is the best okay, of good. them. Not even a competition, frankly. Right. It's a fantastic yeah. distillation of all that stuff. Um, but, you know, you mentioned me watching it, you know, not watching it, uh, watching it for the first time since my transition. Yeah. I, I still have trouble getting inside the world of that girlhood but this time watching it, what I really gravitated to in share was what we've been talking about, the empathy, the mm-hmm. community building, the effort to help people. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to toot my own horn because it's actually often a problem because I am not uh, cautious enough about people who are trying to scam or hurt me. But mm-hmm. I share that impulse of wanting to nurture yes. and help and you know, cuddle and hug and just make people feel better. And it's a good instinct to have, but it's not, you know, that was not what they were forefronting when they were marketing the movie. And even even when I watched it as a younger person, I guess I just didn't totally focus on that. But that's something I think about a lot now, which is we, we socialize women to be nurturing, but we also socialize them to be these sort of like appearance focused competitive. Right. Well, because the way know. she nurtures, right, is like making tie over. Right. Well, that's and the thing what I was going to say is you know, she and like a great Austin, Jane Austen story, this movie understands that at least at this age and in this era Cher, much like Emma has constraints. She is yes. in a social world where there is n- there are a lot of things she can't do or at least it's perceived that way. You know, you read a Jane Austen novel and a lot of times like they're doing stuff that's so rule based that you're like, why can't you just communicate? Like, could you could you two people just talk or like, right, right. you know, like you you, you got to marry a rich guy to help out your family. Like, just can you just say that all of this stuff and like you can't say this sort of thing at a cotillion and you should say this sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. Like she understands that there are social strata and social conventions that she is confined in. And right she, much like an Austin character, rails against them just enough mm-hmm. while also sort of accepting, I'm not sure this is the best way to live your life, but it's a very interesting storytelling technique to talk yes. about somebody who feels constrained and pushes but doesn't break. You know, she doesn't like, there's no moment where she like shaves her head and goes like, screw beauty or anything. You no, know? no. But I I said this at the beginning and I want to bring it back to that. Like, i something that I cherish about Clueless and Legally Blonde in tandem is mm. that, like, they do get to enjoy the the spoils of femininity, of the yes. clothing and beauty aspects that are, because both Cher and Elle Woods don't dress for men. They dress for themselves. No. 
And yes, they are. Their bodies are a canvas, and they like creating yes. works on their and bodies. Like, and when Elle Woods struts into the courtroom at the end of Legally Blonde, and she's wearing that mm. pink belted dress because she's there to be a goddamn lawyer. She has not dyed her hair brown or become a Jackie, or and she's not she's not forcing herself to be serious. She's just like I'm really smart, and I can be smart and wear pink. And Cher can be yeah. smart, capable. And she can wear the clothes that she likes to wear. And I think that that's an important Absolutely. distinction because I do think like the whole like, it's not every girl who's like, I'm going to shave my head and rail against like the the beauty standards and like respect to that journey. But like, I like to wear makeup and I like to sure. put on a dress and feel cute. And like, I think that that's a, an important part of feminine, femininity that has been deemed shallow for so, so long. And I think that you can call... Yes. I think actually, I don't think you can call Cher shallow. I th- I'm gonna just no, she's not shallow. That before it even no. comes out of my mouth, because there's so much depth to her, but she also really likes to be cute, pretty, and fun. And I think but that's, that's not, allowed. That's not and shallowness, it's good. right? Right. It's not shallowness. She has a lot of depth, and her appreciation for the aesthetic is very deep. She just right. has certain talents that are not necessarily regarded as important by and the broader society. That- in other people when she says that Christian uh-huh. sees the beauty in all things and that's why he, you know yep. she cherishes him as a friend you know she she right. has that again that intuition that essential kindness and that warmth to see you know the the best in everybody to see like yeah. I went to a Quaker high school, like the inner light in everybody and, and all of that stuff. And yeah. even in her darkest moments, when she sideswipes a car in, again, the funniest sequence ever put to film, she asks if she should leave a note. She's <laughs> so good hearted that in the midst of her driving test, after she sideswipes a car with her, with the Jeep, she, she wonders if she should go back and leave a note. Like that is... That's top it's tier so kindness. It's she's she's sweet. That's the word we've been dancing around for yes. this whole episode and haven't said yeah, she's a, very is good a way sweet of putting it. person. She's and not shallow. She's sweet, which is uh, yeah. very often women are punished for being sweet, either yes. by, you know, people who prey on them or in media. Sweetness is often looked at as sort of next to sluttiness, which is always next to devilishness. In a lot I think it's also fiction. next to weak. I think yeah, that it's viewed as weak. Like, and I yeah. think that w- what you were saying about, you know, kind of a nurturing, like, you know, we can even go back to the very first episode that we did when we talked about the 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 feel-good nature of like Taylor Swift. Of Taylor and how yeah. how that concert and since we uh taped that episode, I actually went to a Taylor Swift dance party uh in <gasps> Philly and with a bunch of girls and with only with I went with one of my girlfriends, and then she was like, two of my other friends are going. So let's go meet up with them first. And we go to a yeah. girl's apartment and they're like, do you want a white claw? Do you want a La Croix? Do you want glitter on your face? Amazing. Do you want me to braid your hair? And we go to this dance party and we're all just scream singing Taylor Swift at, in this mm-hmm. venue. And I was like, everyone is so nice. Everyone's having the best time. Like this is girlhood. This is togetherness. And that that uh, desire to create community and to hold it close to you is to me an essential part of being a girl. And that's really- If you're doing core, it right, at least. <laughs> if you're doing it right. But that's what the core of Clueless to me is about, is that yeah. Cher creates this, you know, at the end, you have these two teachers getting married who, you know, both wanted to find love and weren't connecting for whatever reason. And then you have the the table, right? Where it's all the main girls and their boyfriends. And it's this community of people who are essentially yeah. good. 
who are essentially yes. good and kind and and generous people. And again, is that high stakes? No. Do I always it's want hard, that in my entertainment? No. <laughs> no, but like, like it's 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 important. It's really it's really hard as a writer to make people this involved, make an audience this involved yeah. in a story that does have such low stakes, especially these days because we're so used to being inundated with high stakes nonsense. Right. There, it takes real craft on the part yes. of the of the writer, the director, the performers to make that compelling and to make the plot something you want to see the resolution of without right. making it just you know, too Noise. dark. You have to like somehow. Or it could, this could have been a really boring movie too, and it's not. It could have been really like, boring. It could have been really dark. Could have been really boring. It somehow walks this perfect tightrope line of being so yeah. engaging and so low stakes and happy and pretty and nice. Like this is a movie by yeah. the girls for the girls. And <laughs> and in that vein, I, mean, I feel like this is a really. This episode is really tying together so much of what we've talked about this season, too, because we talked about how Sofia Coppola's girliest movies are the ones taken the least seriously. And it's like Clueless was never going to win, like, an Oscar for a screenplay or something. But it honestly should have been. It should have been in the conversation. And, you know, uh, Reese Witherspoon should not have won her Oscar for Walk the Line. She should have won it for, well, probably election, realistically. But she also should have won one for Elle Woods because that was a really hard performance to pull off. You know, But then you have years down the line, like the impact of Clueless can't be overlooked. And you have Mm. movies like Bridesmaids getting a best original screenplay nomination at the goddamn Oscars. A movie about female friendships and what it's like Mm. to be a woman and how hard it is. And that movie has its dark moments, but it also still, I mean, talk about low stakes. That's about a wedding, right? Like that's about friends having issues over weddings. And so like, I knew we were going to get back to the fact that yeah. I just found out I wasn't invited to my friend's wedding at some point in this. We were talking about that before this. If I've seemed yeah. slightly scatterbrained, perhaps, I, I got some weird news about how a dear friend didn't invite me to a wedding. And uh, so, yes, that can always be well, its own kind of high stakes. But and yes. Clueless ends with a wedding, right? And so, but like, Clueless no, does I mean, end with a wedding, yes. As, as all Shakespearean comedies do. Of um, course, it has to. Right, yeah. right. But no, I mean, I think that Clueless is one of the most important kind of girlhood pieces of pop culture in the lexicon because not only does it stand on its own as an excellently written and directed and performed film it it paved the way for countless it paved the way for you are so not invited to my bot mitts you know it it paved paved the way way for it paved the way you, for uh, even um, Sofia Coppola's movies. Like it paved the way for so I'm, much uh, of what no, we talked mean, about. You can think of a bunch off the top of your head, but I'm yeah. a cheerleader. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. You know, no, like, uh, and and you know, guess what? I was just what I just found out. You know, who we we're talking about? How great the looks are in this. The costumes are so essential to this yeah. working. So um, essential. You know who? Do you, Mona May was the costume designer. Do you know what okay. she did the costumes for? Literally two years later. No. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, another movie that was paved the way for which is paved by this one. Yes, yes. If if we do another season, we've got to talk about Romy and Michelle, which I have not watched in forever, and I'm told holds up very well. It's still so good, and I I personally think any movie with Alan Cumming, as we talked about with Josie and the Cats, like, gets shot into the upper echelon of most things. Totally. Um, But no, like, Clueless is, I think that it's so easy to dismiss this movie and people have and they will. Yeah. But if you really sure. sit down and you think about what this movie says about 
fatherhood, girlhood, the, you know, the the lived experience of of Jewish people, as you've pointed out multiple times yeah. in this in this episode. Like it's this true. is a really this is a wildly introspective movie that's about a teenage girl who says as if a lot. You know, it's just well, you know. I mean, Amy Heckerling, when she was working on the screenplay, she was a journalist, basically. She, I mean, she wasn't yeah. actually a journalist, but she went and shadowed in a, in Beverly Hills High School. Oh my God, for I didn't a know long, that. Yeah, That's she went so cool. and like just sat in on classes and walked in the hallways and observed uh, the women there, the young women, the students, and and the boys too. But like she she really took notes on how people acted. And it's amazing. She was not of that generation. You watch this and you almost think, oh, a 20-year-old must have written this who just got out of high school. No. Amy Heckerling was older than that. She was not fresh from high school. She's looking back, but she's also doing her homework and finding out how people actually act. And I would contend that the movie that this, this makes me think of is, you know, this is kind of for girlhood, not necessarily in terms of ethical content, but in terms of impact and timing. For millennials, this is for girls what Pulp Fiction was for boys. Like, you come in the mid-90s, and there are just these really appealing, extremely snackable and chewy movies that are, on some level, you can dismiss them and go, oh, that's just sort of surface-level violence and quips, or that's Mm surface-level beauty and quips. But they're both these majestic movies that have a lot underpinning them. And I think you can't under, it's, it's sad to me that when we talk about the great films of the nineties, clueless is not like in the top five. Like it's an amazing, it's not only an amazing movie. It was so significant for so many people. Like you really have to reckon with the fact that I mean, you go into Apple TV, just as I typed in the letter C L and clueless is the first result. Like, to this day, right. popular, it ha- it's still it's had a popular these, like, waves. I think of popularity, and I know like yeah. the the like share yellow plaid look was really big recently. I think yeah. that Ariana Grande had it in her Seven Rings video, and so like oh, it's you yeah, know that's these right. things like oh yeah, yeah. and, uh, and uh, what's her name Iggy, Igloo Australia Iggy Azalea did yes, that one yeah, video exactly. that was just clueless remake yeah exactly and i mean and then bringing back like i would say that 2023 was like the summer of the girls between the eras tour and barbie and the renaissance tour like that it was the summer for the gals and so you know all that stuff comes back around and it's it's so vital to always have clueless in the conversation because it really paved the way for so much including i don't know if you're aware of the presence of this but one one bad thing came out of clueless and that is the television series. Oh, I never watched it. Never watched it. Don't. It's, I shouldn't. No. So Alicia Silverstone didn't come back for it. Well, so sure, they just yeah. quietly replaced her with Rachel Blanchard, who I believe went on to be on Flight of the Concords. And oh, okay. as one of the girlfriends. But it's pretty bad. I used to watch it. Like, yeah. I think we again, I'm bringing it back to Degrassi. Like, I think that they used yeah. to air it on The N, a channel that I watched a lot in high school because I didn't. I had like one friend and we couldn't hang out a hundred percent of the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the TV show, like it brought back, I have it pulled up. It, Stacey Dash came back. Donald Faison came back and Elise Donovan, who played Amber, they came back. Mm. But then like Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone did not come back. Wallace yeah. Shawn and Twink Kaplan, who plays, who played Mrs. Geist and Mr. Hall, they came back for exactly one season. And then yeah. like Brittany Murphy was like a special guest star as was Brecken Meyer. Right. Paul Rudd came on as a guest star as a different character because he couldn't Excuse be Josh. Excuse me? There was, 
he came on as a character named Sonny, but he what? couldn't be Josh because there was already a Josh. So, you know, you can see where Wait, this goes why, down. Why didn't they have him come back as Josh? I don't understand. That's deeply unclear. I, I wish that I could tell you what people That's were thinking. That's real weird. I didn't know three that. Three-season, 62-episode show, which is actually shockingly long. That's how long. poor the quality was. Because it just... You have to have Alicia Silverstone in this role. I really don't yeah. think... Yes, I, I mean, agree. Wait, we were talking about recent iterations. She did a, clu- a clueless commercial during last year's Super Bowl for Rakuten. Oh, that's right. I, that's yeah. Right. So, like, she is Cher Horowitz. You can't just pop someone else in the role and go, no. this is Cher now. It does not work. So, like, It'd I, be like having I do, somebody else play Tony Soprano. Like, it's just right. one of the iconic roles. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you don't spin off Mad Men and go, everyone's the same, but John Hamm's not playing Don yeah, Draper. Yeah, recast like, John Hamm right, with Scott with Bayo Bre- or something. <laughs> with Breckenmeyer and see how it goes. Yeah, oh, right, that like, would be great. Now that I actually, would watch. No, actually, I would watch that. I, if AMC, if they you're should listening do to Mad this Men. podcast. Let's do Mad Men picking up in the 70s and we have a stoner as the, ad, as yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. big Everyone's big a Muppet man. except for Breckenmeyer. There but, you go. I love no, but so I, we should I probably wrap that, it up around here, I'm thinking. Probably, but I just want to finish by saying yeah, by coming ahead. back to the Alicia Silverstone of Please. it all we have to credit her you know she was on uh the babysitters club series on Netflix that I really really liked that they canceled as one mm. of the moms which also made me feel old um yeah. and you know she's she's had her ups and downs in her careers and I know sure. that she wrote a book where she was like you should chew up your food and feed it to your kid from your own mouth and that's gross I don't but, remember that but okay fair enough yeah I think she said that and if she wants to sue me because she didn't that's fine. She can take the pennies that I have. But I do think it's important to really, really be clear that like the heart and soul of this movie is Alicia Silverstone. Clueless would not be as iconic and important as it is without her in the central world because all that empathy and all that like sweetness and caring that is inherent in the script is completely Mm. brought to life by her. So you can't have, that's why the TV series like the idea of Clueless by itself doesn't work just because it's a good idea. It works because right. she found, Amy Heckerling found the exact right person for this part. And that's why, like, I, I, I agree. You could never remake this movie and have it be as good. You could never spin it off and have it be as good unless she is there. Because no, agree. that is the essence of the movie is that performance. And like, mm-hmm. and I think that it's one of the best performances of the 90s, if I'm being totally honest. Like, the openness that Silverstone brings to Cher is something really remarkable and something that because she was probably so young that you don't get with every actor, but you just feel no. this, like this, this openness, this vulnerability, just rolling off this girl as she discovers that she's in love with Josh or when she's sitting at the lunch table and mm-hmm. she's like feeling totally unmoored from her friends. Like you feel everything with her. And I think that that's why wherever the stakes are in this movie, if you're really stressed out by whether or not she's going to pass a driving test, you know, that's on you. But like wherever the stakes are for you in this movie, you always connect with Cher. You always yes. feel that. Yes. connection with Cher and yeah Jewish icon I love this movie I love this movie so much Salute if you haven't watched it in a minute Clueless. go watch it I think it's on Paramount Plus or something but it is on Paramount Plus yeah. which I don't have so I rented it yeah <laughs> alright well um, let's wrap it there because I love that yeah. our episodes are always under an hour I think yeah. uh, I always get intimidated once it's at the like whatever it is uh, five digit mark when it's absolutely hour colon oh geez short and anyway, snappy so, yeah <laughs> short and snappy so where can people find you Nina what, are you still on Twitter or X yeah yeah okay yeah they I'm, not, I'm not judging yet. I just yeah <laughs> I'm not they judging not I just don't pay. know what 
Yeah, I know. It's where you find people, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and it's where I can just be my most unhinged self because Instagram is for because who cares? Cute and fun, and on Twitter, it's just like everyone's a gremlin. So there's just yeah. I recently I just stakes. found. <laughs> I was trying to finish my taxes because I got an extension and uh, I was going through my Gmail and found uh, an email that I had missed, which was the email telling me why I'd been banned from Twitter. I thought they hadn't told me why. I thought there was something yeah. janky in the system, but I guess I just missed the email or something. I found it and uh, yeah, it was me being at my most unhinged self. I'm really proud yeah. of myself. It was exactly what I thought it was, which was when some transphobes were sexually harassing friends of mine, I decided to uh, alternately either sexually harass them on like verbally um, or just, you know, tell them to die in a fire because they're Nazis. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's the rules on Twitter. I found myself describing that to a dear friend who is not a social media person. And I could sort of see over the phone even without looking (laughs) at him, see his face sort of contort into what you did what? And he didn't say anything, but I had to explain myself because it's Twitter. It's a different, especially late stage Twitter is its own beast where there are similarly to uh, the high school in this movie yeah. rules. And the rules are there are no rules. <laughs> Cheryl it's a blood sport. would never be on Twitter, but she would have no. the cutest Instagram. Um, yes. And I'm on Blue Sky, which I know you are as well. I'm Nina Starner yeah. on Blue Sky. So where are you on Blue Sky? Uh, yeah, I'm at... Uh, both my Blue Sky username and my URL from my website are the same. It's josie.zone, J-O-S-I-E dot Z-O-N-E. And uh, yeah, you know, come on, come on the Blue Sky train if you want to see more unhinged thoughts that are less combative because it's a much more supportive community. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, you can find me over on Twitter, mostly posting photos of my dog and talking about Gilmore Girls right now. So That's fine. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, Thanks, everybody. This might be the end of our life. first season, I'm thinking. Yeah, be. go live your yeah. life. We, I was going to say, go live your life like Cher Horowitz. Be nice to people. Oh, it's like a cool that. thing to do. <laughs> it yeah. is. I agree. Until next time, yeah. please stay clueless, and uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>